Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 188. Gold diggers, I want to talk about it. The messy stuff, the embarrassing, the humiliating, the shameful. I want to talk about it all, but it's not always easy. See, there are some big topics out there. Body shaming, discrimination, inequality, war, oppression, shame, guilt. But they aren't always easy to address. Insert today's guest, Alex LaRosa. She's a plus-size model, a blogger, and a self-love advocate based in Los Angeles. This Cali native is ready to share her message of self-acceptance and personal growth. She has two major goals, to help other women become the most powerful version of themselves and to see these women represented in fashion. The launch of Visibly Plus Size is a result of Alex's unwavering belief that all different types of women, no matter their size, age, or the color of their skin, benefit from seeing images that represent them in the middle. Aside from her brilliant and let me tell you, it's brilliant business and insane modeling skills. What also captured my eye is the way that Alex speaks about topics that matter. She recently caught my attention in an Instagram comment section where there was a heated debate and her responses were respectful, but also informative and persuasive. And I was captivated by how Alex spoke up for what she believed in that I knew I had to have her on the show. Like I literally slid into our DMs and I said, I am so, so appreciative of the way that you handled this. Let's talk about it. And so today's episode is all about just stepping into the unknown and and leaning into those things that make us uncomfortable and welcoming those conversations that we're afraid to have. And I want to preface this by saying that Alex didn't have to do this. She isn't responsible for educating me on this, but yet she stepped into this so willingly because she believes that we all should have a voice and I wanted her input. And so I'm really, really excited about this show. There is so much information that you can glean from and just so much experience that will get you thinking and asking yourself why. Before we dive on into today's show, I want to read the review from Jeannie Ulani. It's titled Impactful. I've listened for the last six months, and every episode seems to be more and more helpful than the one before. Jenna shares all that she knows, all the knowledge and tips she's acquired over the last several years, becoming a self-made millionaire. 
She is kind, graceful, intelligent, and so fun to listen to. Whether it's her sharing her entrepreneurial tips, helping you figure out your own story and voice, or being really honest about the struggles she's had in business or in life, Jenna bears her beautiful soul and makes her listeners want to dig deep and achieve their goals. Highly recommend this podcast. Impactful is an understatement. Transformative is the most succinct description of the effect this podcast has on the listener. I really hope that today's show can be transformative to you. I know that this might be uncomfortable or weird, and I asked some questions that I'm not even sure if they were the right way to ask, but we lean into this together, and I'm just so thankful that Alex was willing to show up and share it with this community. And so without further ado, let's talk about the awkward stuff. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Major shout out to ShipStation for supporting the Gold Digger podcast. Right now, try ShipStation absolutely free for 30 days and get additional month free only if you use my promo code GOLDDIGGER at ShipStation. Head to www.ShipStation.com and use the code GOLDDIGGER. Make ship happen. Want to brighten your day instantly? Let me introduce you to Emma Jane Designs. Emma is the epitome of a gold digger who created a jewelry subscription box just for you. For an exclusive piece of jewelry arriving at your door every month, use the code GOLDDIGGER at shopejd.com for $10 off your first month of your subscription. Thank you, Emma Jane Designs, for sponsoring today's episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. All right, here we go. So Alex, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so hyped to be here. So much respect for you and your podcast. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like people get to sit in on a really interesting conversation. And we were just talking about how this conversation might be uncomfortable at times and we might say things that come across wrong, but I'm kind of excited to just lean into that. And you are literally the perfect guest to do that with. Oh, thank you so much. So and let's honestly, do it. Let's be yeah. awkward. <laughs> let's be awkward. Let's get out of our comfort zones. Comfort zones are not helpful to anyone. No. So first things first, who is Alex? What has your path looked like? And how did you get to where you are today? Kind of give us the synopsis of who Alex is. Sure. So... I'm Alex. (laughs) Alex, it's it's weird talking in third person. Okay, I'm going to stop. I am born and raised in Southern California. I have been a plus size model for the last nine years. And that has been the most wonderful journey. It's been extremely eye-opening. And I feel like I kind of, you know, became an adult and learned how to you know, run my own business and become my own, my own woman and my own brand. And it was, it's been scary. So I've been modeling for those nine years and it all started. (laughs) I was plus size in high school and I was shopping online for clothes because I couldn't actually find any jeans in my area that, you know, fit me. So I'm shopping online on tour.com 
And I found myself looking at these women instead of looking at the clothes. And I was like flabbergasted. I was like, who are these girls that look like me? They are beautiful. They are stunning. Who are they? And so I just did a bunch of research and you know, I learned about plus size modeling. I didn't know anything about it. I actually reached out to Torrid on their website. This doesn't work anymore. So if you're trying to get into <laughs> plus size modeling now, don't do this. But basically, I just <laughs> emailed Torrid with some Facebook photos. That's Amazing. like just literally my profile, my Facebook profile photo and was like, how can I model for you? I heard nothing for two months. And then I got an email back from the head photographer and she was saying, you know, we're starting to introduce some new girls, come in for a go-see. I didn't know what that was. I had to do, I had to look it up. It's basically a casting. Watch Um, America's Next Top Model, you know. Yes, watch America's Next Top Model and you will definitely learn all about (laughs) go-sees. And I went in and I took a few photos and met the team. And again, didn't hear anything back for like two months. And I was like, Oh, no, (laughs) it's not working. But they finally called me in and I had my first shoot for Torrid. And it was awesome. I shot with them for about a year. And then they said that they wanted to work with agency models only. And so I was like, how do I get an agency? And so I just basically, as the years went by, had to learn different things and just did my research and ended up signing with an agency for four years. And I just left them about a year ago. And now I'm on my own. And I've been having a blast repping myself. (laughs) How has that been? Like, that's a huge transition. And just representing yourself and finding that confidence to pitch yourself and all of that. Has that been a big change? It has been for sure. I think social media has kind of changed what roles I can take. I can be the model, but I also have this great platform on social media that I love. I love all of the amazing people who follow me and I get to share with them about plus size clothing or beauty products or whatever it may be. And I can work directly with the client. So I haven't really needed my agent as much. So I I left and now I negotiate contracts, had to learn how, how to do that. And I, you know, figured out how to make a business and run a business on my own with a lot of help from people who are doing it before me. That's incredible. So the reason why, and when I reached out to you, I was just so excited about this is one of the things that I value so much about your social media is that it just feels welcoming. Like, All are welcome to show up. There's a seat at the table laid by you, Alex. What has it been like? Like, has that been an intentional piece of your strategy? Has it just been who you are? What does that kind of look like for you? So that has absolutely been intentional. Okay, little backtrack. As a plus size model, I'm a little bit bigger than the average model. And so I was always fighting to be included in campaigns and on websites and and whatever, because I was a few sizes bigger. And I'm trying to make a space for all women of all sizes to feel represented in the fashion industry. So that was kind of my vision when I took, you know, when I, I take that vision over to Instagram and I want it to be a space where all women feel represented, heard, loved, accepted. I don't think, or I definitely don't think (laughs) beauty standards are a real thing. I don't think that anyone should be restricted because of their size, because of the color of their skin or their ability of their body, you know, 
to be, I feel like they shouldn't be restricted in the industry. And so when I go to post, when I go to talk to the people who are following me on my social media, that is my message. And so when I'm talking about that, people feel heard, people feel validated. And I've been able to grow a really beautiful community because people know they can come to my page and I'm here fighting for you to be seen and to be, you know, wrapped in the media. So it's been cool. <laughs> it is cool. And I mean, it just shows up. And and I think, too, that you have this like supernatural ability to connect with women on so many different levels, whether it's the size pants that they wear or the color of their skin or mm-hmm. their political beliefs or their spiritual beliefs. And mm-hmm. And I just think that It's so interesting to me, Alex, because I feel like so often we're so worried about repelling something. Or if I say something that one person disagrees with, they're going to unfollow me. But what I've seen from you is that while I might not be able to connect to all of the pieces that you share, there are things that keep me coming back. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And I love that. Thank you for that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think... For me, I've just always created a space that feels authentic and is welcoming. If someone disagrees with something that I say and they want to unfollow or whatever, that's fine. Like, that's completely fine. But I love what you said about there being a little piece of something for everyone there. So you might not care about the plus size fashion, but you do care about the, you know, diversity in skin, you know, or you might not care (laughs) about natural hairstyles, (laughs) but you definitely want to know about how to keep your skin glowy in the summer or whatever. So it's cool to hear that from you because I really do try to provide something that, you know, relates to every single person out there. Well, you're doing it. You're doing it. Yes. Uh, That is the goal. So, okay, let's just cut to the chase. Nowadays on social media, I feel like people are in one of two camps. They're either speaking their mind and just putting it all out there and starting wars about politics or religion or (laughs) sexuality or whatever that is, or they're so timid to even stand in their truth because they're so worried about offending someone that they don't even stand for anything. Thing. And so right. first things first, where do you stand in those camps or where are you kind of situated? <laughs> I'm definitely more outspoken. <laughs> I have no problem, you know, sharing exactly what my opinion is and calling out someone for an opinion that I feel is just like dehumanizing or bad or mean or oppressive. How have you stepped into that? Because I feel like I'm probably in the other camp and I'm definitely edging more towards like just standing up for what I believe in and stuff. But have you always been that way or has it taken work to be able to say like, okay, my job is a plus size model, but here are these things that I'm fighting for and I Mm -hmm. don't really care if it influences my work or my audience. How does that kind of look for you? So, okay. To answer your first question, no, I have definitely not always been this person. Okay. I was a very quiet kid and a very quiet young adult entering into the plus size world, plus size fashion world. I was kind of raised, I wasn't like raised with the idea to be seen, not heard. That's not true. But I was raised to kind of just be a little bit more of a people pleaser and just, it was considered disrespectful. It was considered not nice or mean to disagree with someone on any capacity or to make someone feel uncomfortable, even if it meant that I had to be extremely uncomfortable, you know? So that 
there's a balance. You don't want to ever like be mean to anyone or like make people feel like bad about themselves and their character. But I have no problem calling people out for some of their belief systems that they might not even realize are oppressive to certain people. So as I entered the industry, I was, again, I was like, let me just, you know, get booked. I don't want any brands to think that, oh, this girl's too political or this girl has too strong of opinions about anything. Because I don't, I used to hold back. I used to just be completely quiet if a brand was only using size 12 girls and all like white girls and their customers didn't look like that, I would just be like, okay, well, I guess I'm just never working with that brand, but hopefully I will. So let me just be quiet about it just in case, you know, and that's not realistic. Eventually you just get sick of it. And you're like, why, why am I not seeing myself represented? Like, why do I go to a website that sell size is 14 and above and they're using size models that are 10 and 12s? Why is that a thing? That's unrealistic to the customers. It's unrealistic for me to feel inspired even by your clothing. So it doesn't even make sense business-wise for the brand. And so when I felt secure enough in my position in the industry, I think, I think that's pretty much when I changed. When I felt like no matter what was going to happen, I had a place in the plus size industry. That's when I started speaking out. But I wish I hadn't held back as long as I did. So I could have had more important conversations. Yeah. I'm at a place now where I'm having conversations with brands. Brands will hire me to have conversations with them about how to be more inclusive, how to, you know, speak <laughs> to their customers and not be like tone deaf or just like be aware of different perspectives when they are speaking to their customers. I get hired to do that now. You know, brands do want to hear those things. I was just so scared that I wouldn't get booked as a model if I came off as too opinionated. And that's just unrealistic. People want to know who you are and who they're getting into when they're working with you. And some brands will avoid working with someone who's more outspoken, but I think that's a mistake. Those are the brands that end up falling off because their customers can't relate with them anymore. I agree. That's cool. I mean, I think that I've had a ton of conversation this year, especially as a quote influencer yeah. <laughs> uh, being in the in-between sizes that I will mm. only work with companies that show diversity, not just size, but color, because, you know, there are so many companies out there. And guess what? I didn't even recognize it. I will be the first one to say it. in the past. I didn't even look for it. you like, isn't that yeah. crazy? Like I just, it was so not even on my radar because I was used to seeing women that kind of looked like me, not body type, but white, blonde. Like enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah where I, could relate I didn't to even them. think about it. Like there's just, I think it has been so eye opening to really be challenged in, in that. And, and I think too, as you're speaking, I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of where you were, where I'm like, how do I even talk about this? Because I am a privileged white woman. Like, mm-hmm. how do I even start conversations when I don't have personal experience? Like, what would you tell me? Because I feel like you are so wise. <laughs> like, you're so wise. <laughs> I mean, well, honestly, like, first things first. <clears throat> how do I even say this? <laughs> it is so dope that you are using your podcast to bring voices that are different than your own. 
you know, to give a speaking space to someone like me and other women who wouldn't have that speaking space in that kind of that broad or that big of an audience. What you're doing is using your privilege and having, you know, you have gotten here because of your hard work, but also there's privilege in it. People will listen to you more. They listen to you before they'll listen to me, you know, and to use that space and then bring people in who are, you know, minorities of some sort or, you know, less heard. That is what you're doing right. That is the, that's really cool. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people get influence, get an audience and then just play it safe. And it's such a waste, man, because you could have so many more important conversations if you were just to start them on your platforms like you're doing. So number one, kudos to you for this podcast. That's dope. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. Also, like if I were to be talking to you and you're wondering, do I speak out as a white woman? Absolutely. Absolutely. You need to, in my opinion. The reason I say that is because, like I just said, there are going to be people out there. There are going to be brands out there. There are going to be industries and communities that will listen to you before they will listen to people of color or listen to fat people. I use fat. A lot of people are offended by that word. I think of it as just a descriptor. So Mm -hmm. just everyone know that. (laughs) What I would tell you is to educate yourself on the issues. Ask yourself why you may hold opinions or why it may be uncomfortable for you. And then I would say, do it anyways, you know? Speak up anyways for the person who doesn't have the speaking space, like either do what you're doing and give them speaking space on your podcast or on your platforms or speak up for them because they're not going to be able to. Remember Emma Jane Designs that I introduced you to at the beginning of this episode? I can't wait to tell you more about how classic and polished her jewelry is. And now you can sign up for the EJD box. Every month, subscribers get an exclusive piece of jewelry, something brand new to the collection. Emma Jane takes great pride in sourcing the best materials, and they're all created in the U.S. of A. How amazing is that? She started this company when she was just 16, and while growing her family, being a mom, she grew a side hustle into a mega successful brand that is sold in 65 boutiques across the country, in addition to her website. Talk about a true gold digger. I recently got my first box, and I loved how timeless and classic the pieces are. I'm already looking forward to the next month. You can get a timeless piece of jewelry for only $25 a month. That means that you are saving on average of 50%, but sometimes even up to 75%. Today, you can save $10 off the first month using the code GOLDDIGGER at shopejd.com. Again, that is $10 off your first month using GOLDDIGGER at shopejd.com. All right, gold diggers, listen up. Many of us are in the business industry and it's no secret that when you're selling products online, getting your orders out the door quickly can be super tough. All of that prep that goes into shipping sucks precious time from your business, which is why I recommend ShipStation. It's fast and an easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. Whether you're using Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, or over 75 other popular selling channels, ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly and keep your customers happy. Gold Diggers, right now you can try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code Gold Digger. 
Don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com. And before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Gold Digger. That's ShipStation.com. Enter Gold Digger. ShipStation, make ship happen. The one thing that does get a little tricky. (laughs) Yeah, say it. I want to know. Like, I legitimately want to know. I love when people who are in the more privileged category, whether it's skinny people or it's white people or it's men or it's like able-bodied people, whatever it may be, or heterosexual people, it's when you are going and speaking on a subject in which you privilege from, you need to make sure you're educating yourself and speaking to people first, like speaking to people who don't have the same privileges as you. So that when you do speak up to your larger audience, you are educated and you are sharing the truth of the people who aren't being hurt, not just your truth. Your truth is awesome, but it's not a complete understanding of the subject you're talking about. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with so much, and and I feel like a lot of this has been behind the scenes. Like a lot of people don't know that like, one of the biggest focuses of my year this year is is to be uncomfortable and to challenge that discomfort and and to really ask myself those hard questions that I think we tend to like lean away from. And yeah. I, I want to know, like, because there are some women out there that are educating and bringing all of this to light, like hosting webinars about how women of privilege <laughs> can help and and all of these things. And, and I think that when I started to dig into this, I was looking for mentors in this or or looking for people to like lead me through this. And I think like, where do we start? Like, how do we even start approaching some of these awkward things or challenging the way that we believe things? Where do we begin? I think the first step is to acknowledge that what you believe is something that you have been socialized into a lot. I mean, there are people who make choices to be racist. That's for sure. Right. But like, let's just take it as it is. Like, let's just say it as it is. We were raised to not talk about the things that are uncomfortable. So it makes sense that as adults, we're having these conversations and we don't know how to, you know, when I remember being a kid and I'm half white, half black, which also I like was thrown into a situation where you have to talk about race. So that's why I feel pretty good about it. (laughs) But a lot of people aren't. And I remember as a kid, there was a kid, another kid who asked me like, why is your skin brown? And her mom shushed her. And I looked at her and I was like, that's not a bad question. (laughs) You know, I told her, I I mean, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like seven or eight. So as best as I could, I told her, I was like, oh, I just look this way. You know, I'm like the same on the inside. There's nothing really different about me. I just look this way. And like the kid couldn't wrap her mind around it. And so what I did was use an example that I had heard from my mom. She had like a brown egg and a white egg and she opened it up and the inside is exactly the same, right? So she like cracked open the white egg and then she cracked open a brown egg and then you look at it and you're like, what's the difference? Nothing. But the outside just looks a little bit different. And that was an example I could share with a seven-year-old that she could understand, you know? So I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is we were not trained to have these conversations. We actually were trained to stay, like it's in our nature to stay as comfortable as possible, to protect (laughs) ourselves. So I get it. But when it comes to 
our actions and how they basically are going to affect other people and other people's lives, it is important and we need to get out of our comfort zone. The first step, I think that was your question. The first step is to, of course, educate yourself. Like you said, you were looking for mentors out there and they're there. And honestly, it's easier to do it as a group. It's easier to have another person to have conversations with that I would say, you know, if you're talking about race and you're white, have other white people to have these conversations with and like kind of bounce off each other and then get used to the idea of having these conversations, educate yourself, and then begin to start speaking to other people who have different experiences, different racial backgrounds as you. I think, I don't know, I think one thing we don't really think about too often is like if they're... I don't know. Okay. Can I just go on a rant? Yeah. I don't know if this relates to your question. Yeah, go on. That's okay. I just like all of a sudden I just have this thought and I'm like, I don't think this is your question, but I go just want to like go to talk. It. Yeah. Okay. You need to set yourself up to have an effective conversation, whether you're having conversations with like people who are in the same group as you, whatever the subject is, whether it's race or gender or whatever, if you're having a conversation with all women, that's going to be a different setup and a different mindset going in than you're going to have one with mixed gender, right? If you're talking about gender issues. So set yourself up to have an effective conversation. First of all, do your best to understand where the other person is coming from. When I'm speaking to every color right now, you know, every gender, if you are, you know, a black woman or a biracial woman like me, and you are going to have a conversation with a white person understand where they're coming from, that they are in a position of privilege where they haven't had to be aware of their race until they're accused of being racist, (laughs) pretty much, right? You don't really, like white people don't have to think about that until all of a sudden someone's calling you overprivileged. People understand the concept of underprivileged, right? People are like, oh, the underprivileged communities. People know that, but people don't acknowledge overprivilege at all. And so when you are talking to white people, talking to my black people now, talking to my people of color, if you're talking to white people, you need to understand that this is a completely new concept. You've been dealing with this your whole life. If you're a white person and this is brand new to you, just understand that the person of color that you're talking to is probably exhausted of having these same conversations. So go in, educate yourself beforehand so that you have at least some basis of knowledge, some basis of understanding of what it's like to be a black person, where you're at in whatever city you're at, whatever country you're in, or what it means to be even black appearing or like I'm black and white, but I look like a little Latina. People don't know (laughs) what I am. Like they can't define me when they see me necessarily. And so I've been like, asked about like my uh what's it called like if I'm documented or not like if I'm a citizen oh my gosh like it's really wild yeah so you don't like there's experiences that you just don't experience right and there are things that you know you don't know and there are things that you don't know that you don't know the things that you don't know that you don't know you can't really prepare for that the only way to prepare for learning that is just approaching every conversation with love and understanding with the goal of trying to understand that person better. That's the only way you can prepare for the things that you don't know that you don't know. But when you know that you're unaware of some stuff, you need to do the work beforehand. Don't make the people of color always educate you. Don't make the women educate the men. Don't make the able-bodied people educate the people who are disabled. Like 
that's not their job. They're just trying to get by in life <laughs> when they already have, you know, things stacked against them. So I don't know if I answered your no, question, you but that, that was my rant. Can I, can I ask <laughs> you something that's going to be really uncomfortable, but I just... Please, I, please, okay. please. So... When I started this podcast, I was inclusivity was not on my radar for terrible reasons. It just it wasn't even something I had considered or thought about. And Mm -hmm. one thing is, is like we are challenging ourselves to to bring it in and and to not just have conversations like this with diverse people, like (laughs) diverse people bring so much more to the table. And my question for you is this that I've struggled with is I was getting called out about not having diverse guests. And and it was just this wake up call for me. But one thing that I've noticed, and I just want to hear your thoughts on this, because I've never really known how to approach it is a lot of my women podcasting friends who are women of color have Mm -hmm. only women of color guests on it. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I struggle with, is there this double standard? Is there this stigma? But then I Mm -hmm. also recognize I am privileged and these women haven't had the same chance to have their voices heard. And so can you, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I guess I just sometimes wonder like, why is there a double standard? But it's not. I understand that it's not. Right, right, right. So Okay, so this is like the introduction of the safe space. Okay, right? let's go. <laughs> so when you, so just let's keep it to race, right? When you are a person of color in a world that experiences white supremacy, right? <laughs> like the white white privilege and all that good stuff. To have a safe space is is necessary for your mental health. Like to walk into a space and know that you are considered second class, that you're considered underprivileged, that you're considered like a little bit less than normal, right? That is draining. That is exhausting. And if you are, you know, you can go throughout your day and just like ignore it. That's definitely a thing that people do to keep their sanity. But if you aren't that person who can ignore it, like you're going to basically be on like a bit of rage all day long. (laughs) Like you're just like, why don't people hear me, see me, love me, you know, like you're freaking out. So that is just like the everyday existence of people of color. To have a safe space is literally mental health for like, I know for the black community, that's what I can speak to. I can imagine for every different types of colors out there. It is wild also to be in a space now where the internet allows you to have safe spaces out of your you know family or out of you know your church or whatever it may be it doesn't have to be a room of people that you know and like you just happen to be around you can find safe spaces on the internet and it is a blessing to be able to go on a podcast or on, I don't know, like a YouTube channel or whatever, and see just yourself represented people who already understand you and the things that are, you know, particular to your community to have conversations where you don't need to educate anyone. Everyone just already understands, right? That is like a feeling that I think white people get more often. They get, that's like, they're normal. We don't get that. That's not normal. So to create a space for that is, I think super important. And I don't think it's a double standard when it's. <laughs> Sorry, I yeah. threw you for a curveball on that question, but it's just something I I've, I've wondered about because I'm like, 
how come I'm getting like called out for this, but other people, or maybe they right, are. No. I don't know. I don't know. You know? No, I mean, ideally, I'd love to get to a place where we can have conversations apart from race. Yeah. Oh, but when we yeah. live in like a racist system, like you, people who don't benefit from that system will need safe spaces. And so until then, like white people just understand, like, I think you need to kind of just understand that we, yeah, it's mental health. I can't say it any other way. You need that space. You need that place where you don't have to educate, where people already understand your experience and relate to you on a human level. I get that. And not that was a, as just like a black human. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly what I needed to hear. And I think, you know, I just like, I have these challenging thoughts and I'm like trying to work through them. And I'm like, you know, I think that so much of, of the work that I have been working on is like it, I get defensive like that is my first mm -hmm. reaction is like mm -hmm. defense like you don't know where I was raised or you don't know that I was yep. never exposed or you don't understand that I do not have a lot of friends that are different than me and and then I started like being like well why 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 mm -hmm. why you know and so I just I think that it's just so interesting when these thoughts come up to really like challenge them. And, and honestly, the first thing that I saw from you where it was when I slid into your DMs and was like, we need to talk because this is so crazy is you were having kind of almost a heated debate in a sense on your Instagram, but you were mm -hmm. welcoming it and you were super respectful, but also informative. So how can we start these conversations and and welcome them in a way that doesn't lead to this culture of like, I'm going to block you if you think differently than me or, or right. I only <laughs> want to hear from people that think like me. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, first and foremost, like social media probably isn't the best place to have these <laughs> conversations. Face-to-face -face is so much better or at least one-on-one. -on -one. Like this is way better yes. and you can actually hear the person and the tone. Anything written out in text is like, up for interpretation when it comes to tone. It's hard, right? Honestly, the best way to have these conversations. Now, this is going to sound mad cheesy, but it's true. Let's do it. Okay. First step, like decide that that person who is saying some crazy, hateful, horrible thing to you, like you need to decide that that person is a person. Number one, you need to be like that as a human who has an experience that's different than mine and an understanding that it's built that way for a specific reason and try to identify that reason. If a person is just straight out overtly racist or homophobic or fat phobic or whatever, don't engage in those conversations like for your own mental health. But if a person is just, I would say like has a different opinion from you or like maybe you think they're misguided, but they definitely don't think they're misguided. <laughs> like that is when you need to recognize that person as a person and not just a, like a wild troll on the internet. You know, that is step number one, having any kind of meaningful conversation. The second thing I would say, like, again, if you are the person of color, if you are the woman or you are the disabled person or like, like the gay person or whatever, you know, protect yourself. I know that sounds like this is like, not. I don't think the answer you wanted, but like, like make sure you're in a headspace where you're able to do it. It's exhausting to educate people and to fight people who are dehumanizing you. So like, if you're in a headspace to take that on, awesome. Speak up. It's your turn. Do it. You got this. If you're not in a headspace, like that's okay as well. But if you are going to have a conversation with people, recognize their humanity, try to understand where they're coming from. And then 
teach them things that you don't think they would know. Like, I'm trying to remember what the exact post was on my Instagram that you said, you said, I think it was something about like deporting people. Yes, I think that's what it was. Yeah. And someone was like, oh, well, like, you know, they're taking our jobs and they're taking our, you know, immigrants. They're just here to steal our land. And like, first of all, like the United States used to be Mexico, right? Like Los Angeles is Spanish, like the angels for a reason. But also if you actually take time to educate yourself, you'll see that's not true. People who are undocumented can't get a lot of the jobs that people feel that are being stolen. People who are undocumented take jobs that a lot of people wouldn't, like, you know, working out in fields or like janitors or gardeners, service jobs. People who are undocumented are typically escaping something dangerous. Not always. I get that. But typically. And so like, those are things that that person doesn't know. That person who I was talking to that day just felt threatened. And the reason that person felt threatened was maybe because they got laid off or, you know, maybe because they, you know, had never actually met someone who's like Latino or Mexican or whatever they're assuming, you know, this person clearly doesn't have any personal connection with whoever they're hating on, because then it would be a lot harder to hate them. Right. So I think when you have those conversations, it's your job, like, it's your job number one to protect your own mind and make sure you're not going to get into a place that takes you to an unhealthy mental space. But if you're good, then I think your job is to help them to relate to whoever they're hating on or whatever they're hating on in a human way. Because what like systematic oppressive, like oppressive systems do is dehumanize people. They dehumanize fat people. They dehumanize women. They consider black people lesser than, you know, like that is how you're able to convince people that, you know, they don't deserve to belong or breathe the same air that you breathe, or they don't deserve to have higher paid jobs, or they don't deserve to, you know, be in positions of power. Whoever, you know, the they is that you're dehumanizing, that, you know, dehumanization makes it easier to, I don't know, oppress them. So when you have those conversations, you need to create a personal connection, which is hard to do especially with strangers on the internet, which is why I don't suggest (laughs) social media. But if you're having a conversation with like a family member who has some problematic views, I would say, sit them down, talk to them from a place of understanding, never accusations, never call someone a name, never get someone's defenses turned on because then the conversation's pointless. That's not going to work. But once you're like having a real heart to heart conversation, if at the end of it, you have explained why the message is important to you, you have explained the humanity that is being stripped from a certain group of people. If you have tried to relate on every single level and it still doesn't work, just know that that is actually <laughs> the result more times, like more times than that. So like most of the time you're going to have a deep conversation. You are going to be emotionally out there and the person may not necessarily hear you, but it'll be easier to have that conversation with that person next time. And they'll hear you a little bit more. People aren't set in their ways. 
like people say, oh, they're just set in their ways. They just believe this because they grew up like this. Like, no, that's not true. You know, it's socialization. Socialization is how we, it's how culture works. It's how we believe different things over time. It's how we get our gestures or get our little slang. Socialization, when we're just immersed in an idea, in a culture, we start to act like that. So if that idea of, I don't know, equality or diversity is new to someone, it's going to be harder for them to have that conversation. But the next time you have that conversation with them, they're going to hear it a little bit more. They're going to humanize those people a little bit more. So I don't know, getting people to relate on a personal level is ideal. Not always possible the first time around, but definitely the ideal and the goal long term. I think that's so powerful. And I think one of the things too that I was thinking about as you're speaking is the power of storytelling, because we can see Mm -hmm. statistics and we can see data and we can see, you know, all of these things. But when you can actually like put a human into any situation and hear that personal story, I know that's like, I feel like how I've grown the most is just tell me about experiences you've had where this has happened or you know, when you know somebody who's actually affected by this. And I think I've been thinking about it so much more when I think about bringing a child into this world is like, right. like how That's do fair. we want to speak about other people? How do we want mm-hmm. to teach them about being different? How do we want to educate them on social causes? And and I think that, you know, the way that a lot, I mean, it, I can speak for myself, the way that I was raised is we didn't really ask those questions. We didn't really acknowledge the things that we didn't, we weren't exposed to, I think. And so it's just so interesting now with like social media, it's like we're, we're so much more exposed to not triggers, but to things that we grew up oblivious to, you know, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And it's like, scary too. (laughs) So, okay, what you're just saying made me think of something. It's cool because you're right. Most of us are, we are raised however we're raised. We're in our own communities. We see either like, okay, where'd you grow up? You grew up in Minnesota, small town, Minnesota, Minnesota. zero diversity. Right. Okay. So you grew up around all white people. That's what you knew. That's like, I mean, also you knew small town vibes, which is a completely different culture than like say New York city or whatever, (laughs) like outside of just racial diversity, it's completely different. Everyone knows your business. Everyone Mm -hmm. is like family friends, like that whole thing. I imagine. Right. Okay. You're right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have family in small towns in the, uh, in the South, but I don't, (laughs) I was raised in Southern California, so it's different, but it's for people who come from spaces that look primarily one way, like just white or whatever, when you go into, say, New York City and you see all the diversity, that is a wildly impactful moment for you. Just to be around people who look differently than you, act differently than you, experience the world way different. But if you were raised in somewhere like me, I was raised in Southern California where there was diversity, but still a bit of segregation, like where I see people who look different than me and act different than me, but I don't necessarily know anything about their culture or their experience. When I went to college, I learned something in a class. It was a, I could 
not tell you who wrote this article or whatever, but it was uh, an article that was talking about multiculturalism. And it was talking about how kind of now like the key word is like diversity, but multiculturalism was like probably like the 90s. Like it was this big push to like bring, you know, two of each kind onto the boat and like, yay. But there was no actual celebration of the differences, just like integration. And I think that's how a lot of people's experiences are when they're growing up too. You may see other people of different, you know, races, genders, all the good stuff, but you don't celebrate their differences. You just see their difference and it's over there. I think the most powerful thing that we can do for ourselves or like for you, for your kid, for, you know, our friends is go and learn something new and celebrate a different experience. Like I, in college, I celebrated Chinese New Year and I knew nothing of what it meant. And like, there was no like religious like ties to me. There was just, I just experienced it with my friends and it was so impactful. And every year it's still so cool. You know, I still like get excited, you know, and I can understand how to celebrate with someone who's different than me too. And that is humanizing. When you see someone who looks completely different from you and they understand like, some nuance of your culture, that is like love. That is the best relationship builder. So like, I always think that's really cool. If you, like I grew up celebrating Christmas, but then I had friends who celebrated Hanukkah and I didn't know how overpowering Christmas is. Like Christmas is like considered this national holiday. And it's like, it's, you hear Christmas music for like four months out of the year and it's like everything is trees and, and old white dudes with beards. And like, it's just like this whole thing. But when you're Jewish or when you're a Buddhist or when you're something else that doesn't celebrate Christmas, it can be overpowering. Cause it's like, this is exhausting. Why are we celebrating one day for four months? And I would have never thought that I would have never, would have never even considered that, that experience to someone who has something different than me. And so it's, it's really cool to be around different people, but it's amazing to expose yourself to different cultural practices. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, and it's and- it actually just I'm sorry to interrupt you. It God. just reminded me like this last weekend we were in Chicago. And cool. uh, we were with my friend and her kiddo and we were getting ice cream and I looked around the room and it was so diverse. I mean, it like pulled me out of this like shell where I was like, wow, like this is crazy. And the next day I mentioned something to her and I just said, I'm so glad your daughter is being raised in this culture where you see everything and you can experience it. And she goes, you know what? I didn't even notice, you know, where it's just mm-hmm. so interesting because you know, for us, it was like, oh, this is so different. And then mm-hmm. for someone else, it was like, oh, this is normal. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just so it's so interesting. And I, I feel like I think one of the things I'm most challenged by when it comes to inclusion everywhere on every spectrum is just being able to see it, like to actually mm-hmm. look for it and to acknowledge it and to welcome it. And I think that you know, it's just really challenged so much of my life and existence in a way that I didn't even know needed challenging. That's awesome. I love it. So this is a question I have to ask you because please, do you have any like, like hacks or, or something for speaking your voice in a way that is authentic yet respectful? Like what, 
what can people do if they want to start using their platforms for more than just marketing or messages or money? Like, how would you approach that? Yeah. Okay. Well, first things first, like you should absolutely prioritize being authentic over being respectful. <laughs> like at least I do. <laughs> like, I don't know if that seems wild to say, but I think it's way more important to get your message across and to share like a message of love and like support and like inclusion always. But like, if it offends someone, if that message offends someone like, okay, sorry. If us talking about diversity or us calling out your lack of diversity is offensive, like, yeah, okay. But it's more important to make sure people are being included and being seen and being heard and recognized than it is for you to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So sorry, just got to get that. Nope, also. (laughs) (laughs) So like tips and tricks for like having those conversations. I think... Like I said before, make sure that if you're the one who is doing the speaking, that your speaking or your voice and your words are completely backed up with understanding and like words from conversations you've had with people who are disadvantaged in whatever category you're talking about. You like your opinion is awesome, but if it is not, you know, created from a space that is inclusive, your opinion isn't going to register with a lot of people. Another thing I would say is it's (laughs) if you're someone who has a platform like us, sometimes just stating what you think and not like you can get your audience to get used to stuff. So if your audience isn't used to you having conversations about like, you know, anything political or like personal, like social relations stuff, If they're not used to that, just start small. Just start saying things and not necessarily looking for the conversation with them. Just state your opinion and say it. And if someone comes back with like, actually, no, I don't think that, you know, whatever you said is right. Like, okay, you can have that individual conversation. But if you're going to try to host conversations on your platform or on your space, you need to get your audience ready for that. Or else your audience is either going to dip or your audience is going to like completely tear each other apart. I think it's really powerful when someone is already following you for whatever reason. They're following you because they like your hair and they want to know how they did your hair. And you're like doing your video and you're like, okay, so now I'm going to curl it this way. Da, 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 da. It looks so great. Like, and then you just... Hey, I just want to also take a moment. This happened this week and it was really special for me. It doesn't have to be like, I discovered my, you know, whiteness. It could be like, I went and I experienced, I went out to lunch in Chicago and it was so diverse and it made me realize how much I value people who look differently than me. So this is how I do my hair, but man, do I love watching videos from other people. You know, it could be as simple as that. And that is, it's not a lot. It's not a lot of time commitment. It's just sharing your experience and setting, like giving space to other cultures and other places and not necessarily having a conversation about the race, you know? Yeah. One thing also is if this also applies to like what you're doing. One rule that I learned in college that I think is really powerful is step up, step back. And if you are a person who typically has privilege in whatever area you're talking about, 
the idea is to step back and give people who don't have a voice as much a space to speak like you're doing here with this podcast. So step back. If your voices are people who look like you and their voices are always heard, step back, give that space to someone else. But if you are someone who you don't see represented in the media, or you are someone who is maybe like more oppressed in one way or another, step up. It's easy to stay silent because we've been silenced for a very long time. But honestly, like, We're not going to see a big change unless there are people of color or women or people with different abilities coming forward and speaking up and sharing their own experiences too. So step up, step back, I think is a really powerful tool. And it just is a reminder that speaking space should be equal. Representation should be equal. And it's kind of just a good place to start when you're having those kind of conversations. One thing I loved our pastor a couple weeks ago, he was just saying, you know, like welcome in conversations with people that don't agree with you and just use the phrase, help me to understand. Like, Ooh, that's really good. Understand this piece or help me to understand why you feel this way. And, and I really, I valued that because I was like, sometimes we just don't know how to ask a question. Like I know even Mm -hmm. sometimes when I talk about things, I'm like, I don't want to say anything that's offensive or I don't want to phrase it the wrong way or use the wrong terminology. And so I loved like the help me to understand because it just actually does, just like you said, gives people a voice, gives people the floor to actually speak. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so powerful. That's Alex, amazing. I feel like, I don't know. I just want to say thank you because you are so, I mean, you do so many things. You are an incredible businesswoman. You are an incredible model. You, you are so many <laughs> things. And, and I just, when I watched you navigate through some of the discomfort or, or just like the uncomfortable comments, and I, I watched how you did that. And I watched how you welcomed people in through that. Like I was just blown away. And, and I know that you are so much more than just speaking about diversity or color of skin. But I just want to say, like, thank you for coming on and and allowing us to share this space together and to welcome this conversation. It really means a lot to me. Absolutely. I honestly am so happy to be here. And thank you for continuing to have these conversations. It's important for everybody. It's important for business. It's important for your personal relationships. So I think it's really incredible what you're doing. So where can everyone connect with you? You guys, like if you just scroll through Alex's feed, you're going to find something you love. And so where can everybody (laughs) find you online? All right. So my Instagram and my Facebook are both at Miss Alex LaRosa. So M-I-S-S-A-L-E-X-L-A-R-O-S-A. Amazing. Alex, just thank you again. I think that as we continue to have these conversations and as we continue to welcome them in, and and honestly, I would love to have a conversation about race with another white woman. I think that would be incredible mm-hmm. too, because I, like I said to you at the beginning, it is not your job to educate me, but I appreciate so much you just walking into this with the most open mind ever. But I'm just excited about the direction everything is going right now. And I feel like there's this energy that we can't let escape. Yeah, I completely agree. Like it's becoming more and more normal to see people who look different and to have conversations across cultural boundaries. And I am here for it. And I also am really here for the idea of having 
to white women speaking about race because there's going to be some nuances and some things that I just can't, I can't Mm -hmm. share. So I think that would be really cool and I'm really powerful for your listeners. Well, I'm going to add it to my list because I think it needs to get done. And, And I think I love what you said too. It's like you can sit down with people that agree with you and talk through some of those things that you agree on and ask the question why, you know? And so there's just so much room. And and I think that what I walk away from this with so much understanding of is just opening it up. Like being open and inclusive is not just about talking about these things, but it's about the way you live and the way that you approach it. And I think you just do such an amazing job. So thank you. Well, guys, that's the conversation. That's what they should look like. And I'm just really, really grateful for Alex for coming on and doing this with me. And I think that so often in life, we just get comfortable because comfort is where we want to stay. And so today, I just hope that you feel challenged, whether it's in your own beliefs, the things you've been taught, or if you're just curious on how you can take a stand for something you believe in, whatever that might be. But I love the way that Alex approaches it with sincerity, but also with authenticity. And I am very much challenged by the way that she does things because I feel like I've been prone to shy away. I'm not quite sure how to help or how to step in or how to spread a message when I'm not directly impacted by what's going on. And so I'm just really grateful to have this platform, to have these conversations. And I want you to know that it's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay to step into that. And this year I've done a lot of work behind the scenes on why I believe things or why I was raised in a certain way or what makes me uncomfortable and why that is. And so I challenge you to do the exact same. I hope that this space was a space that just left you feeling inspired and inquisitive. And I hope that you step into that within your life and your business and you use your platform to share the things that you care about. I am so grateful for Alex and I really, really loved this conversation and I sincerely hope that you did too. I'd love to hear your thoughts about today's show on Gold Digger Podcast. Really, I would love to hear them. And until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.